Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Wherever in the heck in the world you are, it's the one and only V, the Girl Economist, coming to you live with Matthew Eret, the one and only Matthew Eret from The Great Game. You can catch him here on Rogue. You can catch him also, most importantly, on his Substack, substack.com back forward slash Matthew Eret, as well as risingtidefoundation.net and thecanadianpatriot.org. Get Matthew's latest books. It's going to be absolutely critical for you to get so you can understand the play-by-play of what is going on today. And with that being said, Matthew, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon to you too, my good friend. We're both, folks, you got to excuse us. We're both working on lack of sleep. Matt's been up (laughs) since, like, he went to sleep crazy late last night. He's had a call international 5 a.m. Same thing with me. We're both shot, so... So cut us some slack today, please. <laughs> yeah, if you start rambling on in segues, it's uh, <laughs> it's all part of the plan. <laughs> it's all part of the plan. We're both, you know, making friends with our cup of coffees here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean oh. it's um <clears throat> there's no excuse to uh to to wish for more sleep these days. I mean the, the world is is on fire. It's uh oh, as, as um Finian Cunningham made a point, you know, diplomacy has turned into a giant dumpster fire. Um, for the West. Yes. Yeah. I I felt, I felt really bad. I listened to the, uh, the Russian ambassador to the United Nations today. And, uh, I feel for that guy. He's really earning his paycheck. Mm. My God. He, uh, you know, with everything that's, that's happened, um, with this giant psyop in, uh, in Bucha, uh, near Kiev. Yep. This is, on, you know, everyone is being bombarded with these terrible images of dead bodies, people, c- civilians who have obviously been uh, murdered. And we're all being spun the same narrative that this was obviously the rapacious Nazi-like Russian soldiers who just want to kill civilians. They've been, you know, stealing gold teeth. Actually, somebody at the United Nations, one of the, uh, the representatives, I think it was, uh, no, Zelensky, actually, yeah, <laughs> who spoke to the UN. Uh, Council or the United Nations today, and I just finished listening to his speech too. He's actually saying that they're they're stealing gold teeth with blood on them, and and, oh, and yeah. just making all these parallels to the Nazis. The uh, U.S. ambassador to the UN uh, said, you know, they're they're kidnapping Ukrainians and bringing them to Russia to put them in concentration camps, which we all know <laughs> what that means. Literally, like that's literally the type of over the top stuff. Um, where the reality is, is obviously the, the very opposite. There, there has been refugees on mass that have been provided immense amount of aid. I mean, millions of tons of humanitarian aid has been provided. Um, we've seen only, only layers upon layers of lies. And I mean, who, who are the ones who are running the Nazis who have the, the Nazi problem? I mean, this is obviously the case that Ukraine has had the torchlit marches have carried out massacres, have lit people on fire. You see pictures of people who have gotten beaten up and taped to, to flagpoles for having like a Russian accent by the Ukraine or these these paramilitary groups embedded within the, the Ukrainian armed forces. 
And then you have, you know, the, the Russian ambassador who's forced to call a press conference. Maybe there's like five journalists who show up um, because he couldn't convene a meeting of the UN uh, Security Council. Yeah. Just basically that that's his right as, as a leading member of the of the Security Council. This is the first time he said in history that an attempt was made to call a meeting based on the fact that this is obviously uh, a security issue. What's what's cropping up here. Um, and he was rejected by the British, who are currently the you know the sitting presidents or the the heads of the council for this uh, this year. Um, it's never occurred, and he's been he you know he had to lay out his case of why this is a psyop, why this is a complete false flag, um, the the murders in uh, in Bucha, and I mean the facts are are just clear, you know, like Russia, they left. There was in. In the build-up to the Russian-Ukrainian uh, meeting that happened in Turkey on uh, April second, uh, but before that, part of that agreement was okay. Russia was going to leave Bucha, and they left on the thirty-first of March. Yeah. The, the day after that, the the mayor of Bucha gave a you, you know a speech celebrating the fact that you know uh, they're they're independent again. The the Russians have left. And he's all shits and giggles and laughing and happy and and no mention whatsoever of dead rot rotting bodies that have just been killed the day before littered all over the streets of Bucha. Right. There's a lot of bodies, not a single mention of that. Um, and it's only then three days later after, you know, the, after you have the media brought in and <clears throat> figures within the Ukrainian uh, paramilitary groups brought in. That all of a sudden we have now this footage of dead people. Um, my God, like there's no sense of rigor mortis, like just basic doing, you know, the, the, the Russian ambassador lays this out. You just look at these bodies. There's no sense that they've been dead for four days, which is what right. you would have to expect if the Russians killed them and left them lying there. Um, there there's no blood, like blood, uh, the blood isn't forming in ways that you would expect scientifically after this happens. People have boxes. The people who, who were shot, uh, most of them had boxes of Russian humanitarian aid uh, food boxes that have been given out. You, you could clearly see the label. So these are people who are, you know, very friendly uh, figures to Russia. And the entire time Russia had occupied Bucha before that, there wasn't a single case of any type of civilian violence or casualties of, or anything of the sort. There was free flow of, of mobility. People were able to film. They had full internet access. So if there really was <laughs> Russian uh, uh, orcs, you know, from Lord of the Rings, running yeah. around uh, murdering people, you'd think that some people would have, like, filmed it and uploaded it to the internet. That, you know, that didn't happen. So, yeah, this is very clearly um, a complete piece of theater. Ugly. No, I mean the way that they were killed as well. You've seen that style before. That style is Azov. They mm. were killed in the same way Azov would was torturing those POWs. It's the same thing over and over again. And this yeah. is what the internet, this is what's going to be shown to the world. I mean, these people are sick. And now mm. the theater, you got that comedian actor supposedly on the ground, supposedly in Bucha, supposedly touring the war crime scene. It's remarkable that anybody gives these morons any sort of credence. People should be mortified. People need to wake up. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the, the um, Joaquin Flores posted a, a video of, of Zelensky coming out doing a little uh, a little show with his advisors uh, with their military gear next to him. And, and he said, well, isn't it strange that the Ukrainians um, 
when they when they when they pasted their their flags on there was his, his advisor standing right next to him he has and you could watch the video the ukrainian flag is upside down the the yellow is on top the blue is on the bottom um if you are truly a ukrainian um patriot you would pay attention to like whether you're wearing an upside down flag um that you just like pasted onto your your jacket um, so you, you've got obviously tons of foreign influence. This guy, like you said, is a, is a marionette. He's a puppet. He's a, he's a showman. Um, he's super corrupt. I mean, the fact that this guy has, you know, we talked about this last week and the week before, but I mean, the fact that he has like well over $600 million, um, in assets that have been like passed through these different shell companies in the Virgin Islands, the British Commonwealth, uh, you know, Virgin Islands and, and Cayman Islands, um, like this guy is just completely rotten to the core. And then you have, you know, uh, uh, Kolomoisky, you know, that yeah. the, the guy who's owned his whole career. We talked about that. The, this billionaire who runs through a couple of other shell companies, Barissima Holdings, which ties in Joe Biden. This guy is the financier of Azov's. That's openly acknowledged. He's the guy who even created uh, Vanessa Bealey, just gave a, a really great uh, um, interview. And she made a point. He's also the guy who created the Israel european parliament in 2011 um like it's it's over the top the level of 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 evil in that's multifaceted but all is concentrated in the same little coterie of fanatics um a lot of this is is fortunately coming to the surface but still i mean it it's uh it's just wild the level of make-believe that they're putting out there and like you said, it, these are these are using the same techniques as the Azovs have used to kill people. The the the, the many of the bodies had their hands tied before being killed. Yep. Uh, there's there's just so much uh, indicating this. But I mean, as the outcome is concerned, and again, I, I watched the Zelensky speech. Now, many people are confused by the fact that Russia and China will often speak uh, uh, well about the United Nations Charter, saying that, you know, the, the basis for a viable world order means returning to uh, the principles embedded in the UN Charter. And a lot of people say, oh, that's just proof that they're also in on the new world order. They're, uh, you know, the, that's a globalist institution, obviously. It's, it's, uh, it's about one world government de depopulation. So they're all in on it. Any, any type of resistance is a fake. And it's like, no, if you listen to like Zelensky, it was very clear. His whole uh, ugly speech at the United Nations today, he he's openly now calling for uh, number one, best case scenario immediately is first expel Russia from the, U the UN uh, Security Council because they have a veto and that's uh, they're too evil to have a veto. So they have to be expelled. Number two, we should, he said, if that can't be done, and I don't think I don't think it can be done because another member of the UN Secu Security Council also happens to be China, and uh, China and Russia have a deep, deep uh, commitment to uh, stand together. So I don't think China is going to permit that to happen. So the next thing he said is dissolve the UN uh, Security Council completely. Get rid of this whole idea of nation states having or power, you know, certain key powerful nation states having a veto. That's uh, it's it's not in harmony with world peace as if he cares. And then he said, uh, we also need to immediately set up a new global security architecture uh, and revise, rewrite the UN charter. Um, so what is this new architecture you want to create? Why, why do you want to rewrite the UN charter? If the UN charter was part, was, was this evil foundation for globalism and world government, then why do these evil globalism and uh, one world governmentalists want to rewrite this UN charter? And so this is a useful thing to keep in mind because I got to say, unlike the, the League of Nations, 
which was attempted, it was created in 1919, the same time that Chatham House was created in the, in the Treaty of Versailles after World War I, unlike the League of Nations, which was an anti-nation state organization uh, to create a, a banker's dictatorship, the United Nations was actually based at its origins on a very different idea, which was pushed by people like Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Henry Wallace, uh, many other people around the world who wanted to break, the, break humanity free of empire. So I figured just uh, quickly, the the charter that that Zelensky and his controllers, I w- even people like George Soros have said this has to be rewritten. Um, Lord Mark Malik Brown, the former uh, second in command at the United Nations, who brought in the responsibility to protect protocols, R2P, back in mm-hmm. uh, 2001, 2, 3, 4. Um, the thing they want to destroy is the following. The UN Charter literally says that its mandate is number one, Article 1, to maintain international peace and security and to that end to take effective collective measures for the prevention and removal of threats to peace. Okay, you could say that that sounds like a a world government institution. Okay, but what else? It says, and for the suppression of acts of aggression and other branches, breaches of the peace and to bring about by peaceful means and in conformity with the principles of justice and international law, adjustments or settlements of international disputes or situations which might lead to a breach of the peace. So it's a focus on diplomacy not this whole full-spectrum dominance, military confrontation, or regime change. That's that's very clear. Um, number two, to develop friendly relations amongst nations based on respect for the principle of equal rights and self-determination of peoples, and to take other appropriate measures to strengthen this peace. Number three, to achieve international cooperation in solving international problems of an economic, social, cultural, humanitarian character, and promoting and encouraging the respect for human rights and fundamental freedoms for all without distinction to race, sex, language, or religion. And again, you could say, oh, well, international cooperation, that sounds like globalism. Um, Okay, well, we live on one earth. Like, honestly, there's problems that transcend individual nations. Whether you like it or not, that happens. So just to say that that by itself means you're a one world government depopulationist is really naive and simplistic. The other one is to be a center for harmonizing the actions of nations in the attainment of these common ends. And finally, just in case any imperial legalist wants to read the charter loosely, the second article right away says that the organization of the UN is based on the principle of the sovereign equality of all of its members. It's based on the sovereign nation state as sacred. So this is what they've been trying to extract. And even though the the UN has become increasingly infiltrated, a corrupted body and you know, you got things like Lucius Trust Publishing, the, the publishing company that produces all of their UN literature, formerly formally known as Lucifer Publishing by Annie Besant and Alice Bailey. Yes. That's all true. That's like, but they didn't create it. What you have is is an organization of evil that has been trying to corrupt everything from the, US, the USA itself, which if you read the US Constitution and Declaration of Independence, they're pretty damn good. But you could see how much evil has been done in their name over the ensuing 250 years. Why? Because you have this supranational parasitical force of evil, which goes back to the days of ancient Babylon, which is, you know, trying to infiltrate and take over every single institution, corrupt it from within, and then have these institutions become instruments for their will. Uh, Their will is what? Total dominance, global romanticized feudalism under a transhumanist you know, modern pagan ideology of a depopulated, dumbed-down society. 
do Russia and China or India or Iran or other countries with the multipolar alliance look like they're doing that? Are people, right? <laughs> are people being uplifted out of poverty and given, you know, skills and education to uh, be more productive? Or is yep. the opposite happening? Like it's happening here in Canada, the US, Europe. Are we getting more dumbed down? Are our skill levels uh, being funneled into... Well, nothing, right? I mean, taxi drivers are and and pizza delivery delivery guys. If you talk to a lot of people who are who are doing this type of work, they're they're often people from other countries who have like chemical engineering degrees, and they just can't get work in North America, except as taxi drivers or pizza delivery guys, because we don't value their minds. We're not building anything of value, so it's a very different design and intention behind uh, the words of new a new order or UN charter, right? So it's super important for people to uh, to pick up on now. I want to show something real quick, Matt, while you're yeah. on mentioning on the decline of the quality of life. Mm. Uh, you know, Vela's uh, turned me on to this book called Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. And um, I've read a few other Neil Stevenson's books like uh, uh, Necro, uh, Modica. I forgot the name of it. My, again, I'm, I'm foggy-brained as, as, as of now. But anyway, Snow Crash, okay? It's hilarious, and um, here's how it works, right? Um, the story opens up in Los Angeles, and an unspecified number of years after a worldwide economic collapse. Los Angeles is no longer part of the United States since the federal government has ceded most of its power and territory to organizations and entrepreneurs and franchising and individual sovereignty. The private vehicles reign supreme. Mercenary armies compete for national defense contracts. While private security guards preserve the peace in sovereign gated housing departments and uh, developments, highway companies compete to attract drivers to their roads, and all the mail deliveries is, is by hired courier. The remnants of the government maintain authority only in isolated compounds, where they do tedious make work that is, by and large, irrelevant to society around them. Much of the world's territory has been carved up into sovereign enclaves known as the franchise organization quasi-national elites or the FOQNEs, each run by its own big, big business franchise, such as Mr. Lee's Greater Hong Kong, or the corporatized American Mafia, or various residential burb claves. In the future, American institutions are far different from those of the actual United States at the time. <laughs> and basically what he talks about is like the United States is going to be good at two things, video game development and pizza delivery. <laughs> That's... That's uh, pretty it's, on point. Yeah. It is a dystopic future, man. <laughs> but that's what it's food. I mean, I mean, this was written, what, 1999, right? Or, no, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, 92, right? Is it really? Okay. Yeah, it was written in 1992, yeah. long before Uber Eats, more, long before DoorDash. <laughs> Here we are, man. Here well, we you, know, you look at it, right? You can go back to, to Aldous Huxley's uh, first little foray into predictive programming with Brave New World, which was yeah. written in when, like 1932 or something for the first draft. And uh, yeah, like it's, it's it's jarring just how obsessed they are with this script that they've been really, really working heavily on to try to create a society that looks a lot like kind of a mix of the the brave new world with a little bit of enmeshment with the uh, orwell's 1984 one's a little bit more of an overt uh tyranny right with your little controlled behaviorist two minutes of hate every day and and all of the other um <clears throat> the others you know 
Um, but it's sort of like a mix of both. Um, and it's like, it's not that hard. I don't think this guy, Neil Stevenson, was part of the conspiracy. I mean, at a certain point, I think that what right. they've done, though, is they created a cultural movement, a, a dystopic cultural movement that shapes the the imagination of young creative people in the future generations who went and became artists, movie makers, filmmakers, and they're just, they're so themselves influenced by Soylent Green and Planet of the Apes and Brave New World and all of this like dystopic stuff that when they go and, and think that they're utilizing their creativity, they're actually just adaptively finding ways to advance this, uh, you know, these scenarios um, which are then, you know, money is poured into a lot of these things that become movies like the the Children of Men, you know, is another one. Oh yeah, Men or whatever, right? And the CIA is behind a lot of the movies and the money make the money behind the movies that get or the scripts that get turned into movies uh, that we we are then so influenced by that then shape the younger generation. So it's like the self perpetuating system of of creativity, but a bounded creativity, like it's bounded by cynicism, misanthropy, depression fear of the future and like it, it's it just sort of like feeds itself right and it just amplifies those feelings in the in the the next uh, generation and you compare that to something a little bit more optimistic like um it's hard to find that nowadays but like if you read jules verne the uh from the you know the french uh, science fiction author from the 1880s 90s and uh, his his works were so optimistic. It was really based on a very different idea of science fiction is based on a celebration of humankind and, and what we could accomplish by going into the unknown and, and you know, uh, colonizing another planet like, you know, his Earth to the moon is great or the journey to the center of the Earth or all of these things. It's about like how human beings overcome uh, impossible challenges and adopt science and technology for uh, the good. And that's what people like H.G. Wells went to war with to disrupt that flow, because I think there was there was um, I mean, the, the power of the the control of the the zeitgeist of the imagination is really the key battleground. And whoever could who could influence most the zeitgeist mm-hmm. will influence the 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 herd, the, the mankind more. And one type, you know, the H.G. Wells type definitely and the, and the Aldous Huxley type definitely has the herd more inclined to adapt to anti-human situations because it's like if you expect it everyone kind of thinks of the future in a, in a terrible way they will be more inclined to not resist it and adapt to it rather than fight morally against something unjust uh versus the 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 you know uh jules verne way which which will give people a standard of like what is normal is what is just and if you see something unjust happen in the future you should do something to invoke your creative spirit to fight it. And that type of thing is, is verboten in the oligarchical tool chest. There, there's a few things that still do that. Um, like, you know, there was that movie with, with Matt Damon, the Martian in 2015, which, which did that. It, it tapped into that spirit of overcoming, you know, this guy was going to be left to die on Mars. Um, and the whole thing was like him challenging his fears and, and you know, making discoveries that he had to make in a certain time frame in order to not die. That was good. But that's rare. That's super rare. Otherwise, it's, yeah, it's mostly predictive programming. Who's that guy? Supposed rumors that are circling hot right now, hot off the press, is that Major General Roger L. Coltier Jr., RLC, has been captured by Russian forces in Ukraine. This is the guy who was from AFRICOM. He's the one of the um, apparatchiks involved in destabilizing Africa. He worked for AFRICOM. 
And uh, since then, he has, um, you know, he, what did he do? He, he's over in Ukraine. He's like, actually, um, he was the, he was the, the in charge of Ukrainian land forces. Okay. He was, uh, he's a commander of NATO's Allied Land Command, an active uh, deputy for the Ukrainian Land Forces, Major General. Uh, they, yeah, that's what he. That's what it was. So this guy is actively involved, and the last he or last known whereabouts of this guy was in the Yavoriv area in Ukraine, uh, and he's part of continuing staff talks between NATO and Ukrainian forces. So this guy is a guy who's a no gooder. This is mm-hmm. a guy who's up to no good. He's created trouble in Af- in Africa. You want to talk about Gre- American Green Berets getting killed in Niger? This is when Americans find out there's actually a country called Niger in Africa, and and we found what what the hell are Green Berets doing there? Why are they getting killed? It's because assholes like this guy. This is the one of the assholes who was in charge of that. So there's a rumor right now that, and even Joaquin just posted it as well, that the Russian army has captured. Uh, the rumor is unconfirmed. U.S. Major General Roger L. Coltier, uh, Major General Roger Coltier, the U.S. Africa Command HQ Chief of Staff in the besieged Ukrainian uh, Azov camp in Mariupol. So this asshole, if this is proven correct, then this asshole was out there coordinating uh, with the Ukrainian force in the Azov Brigade. And, and, and I don't need to show you guys. I got some very graphic photos of the Ukrainian Marines in um, in Mariupol, who were absolutely torched, utilizing yeah. Russia's advanced uh, next generation uh, flame, ro- uh, uh, you know, flamethrower technology. Incredible. This is. I got. Uh, I got. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, I, I really want to get confirmation on that. That's interesting. Yeah, me too. I'm you, waiting you guys for confirmation. Definitely have their hands. I mean, a lot of blood on their hands. I mean, yeah. and and U.S. Africom has had a lot of a lot of connection uh, to supporting different groups that have received support like Bokov Ram and other groups in Mali and, and beyond uh, mm-hmm. that are just used as tools. Like, like it, it's the African branch of, of ISIS uh, to destabilize nations that you want to overthrow because they're a little bit too sovereign in their uh, like currently what's going on in Ethiopia around, you know, the uh, Tigray people's liberation army, which is a terrorist organization in the North, which has been utilized by U S intelligence and the U.S. military has been all over this thing uh, to try to upset and overthrow the Ethiopian government because the Ethiopians are very much pro-Russia, pro-China, and pro-development. They're actually able to emit sovereign credit for the development of their giant uh, historic uh, you know, uh, Renaissance dam and high-speed rail that they're building with China. And they're also p- very close to Yemen. But all that to say, these guys... Uh, like like this fellow who maybe has just gotten arrested are in bed with some dirty characters. And if people are confused about this, I have a little video here as well uh, of an advisor to Zelensky giving his views on ISIS, his admiration of the techniques ISIS uses. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you see this video right right now? That I'm no, no. Yeah, I can see it. It's up on screen. Play you can it. see it? Okay, I'm going to yeah. just hit play. The commanders of ISIL are considered some of the more wise and successful commanders that there are currently. Yeah. They died very quickly. Everything is thought through in detail, even the degree of cruelty. They're that scientific in their cruelty. Cruelty for show. It is inhumane, but it is of a very high level, a wise strategy, taking their particular interests into account. ISIS. 
All right, there's another interview. There's another interview now. I'm just saying this for people who are just like listening to the audio. He says, they are acting very correctly. There is a big book where I analyze ISIL quite well. For them, best, best practice of how to run business is best practice of governance. I, I don't get the, the translation there. Those that the world needs? Parallel to that, this means terrorism, middle-age cruelty, the burning of people, shooting and cutting off of heads. This is absolutely a network of the future. <laughs> the advisor Arestovich. Uh, to President Zelensky. Advisor. Yeah. I mean, again, this guy has been smoking the same crack that Hunter Biden was smoking and living in the same echo chambers as these as these Western morons. This is exactly what's happening. I mean, these people yeah. are crazy. I mean, I, I can't live in a place like this, man. I can't uh, live in a place where, where, where I, you know, my country's government is paying, funding, and providing logistical, material, and financial support for psychopaths like this moron, just as my country's government supported armed, trained, given logics to both logistics to both Al-Qaeda and ISIS. It's the same playbook over and over again. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah, I know. It's it's, it's completely it, it is very much the same thing. And I mean, it's it's I think a bit of a learning experience for a lot of people to have to realize that this thing that they thought was their nation is actually largely captured. However, there are still, you know, patriotic national institutions that haven't been destroyed. Otherwise, we'd already be, be dead. The U.S. would already be over had there have been had it totally fallen. So there is something there. And I, I did read a friend of mine um, had sent me something from uh, the Texas uh, Republican Convention is one example where. There was a unanimous adoption of a restoration of Lincoln's uh, greenbacks and national bank, um, as which was, you know, a sign of fight. That's a viable thing to do. You need to sort of that's the, the only thing I see that has any type of fight within it that is has some moral validity is within that base of non neoconservative uh, Republicans and the Democrats. Mostly, I, I don't see as as being uh, salvageable at this point. But you got things like that. I, I think that needs to really be amplified and organized a lot more and fast. But otherwise, yeah, like the U.S. has so much blood on its hands. There's so oh, yeah. much hypocrisy. But the fact that you also have the failure of all of these things that used to work, you know, the scripts of the New World Order that used to occur without much resistance. The fact that Pakistan just suffered a near coup d'etat against Imran Khan uh, just a couple of days ago. You know, you, you heard about this, right? Say again? Oh, yeah, yeah. He, Russia, he, yeah. Yeah, he, 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 go ahead, man. I'm not, go ahead. You, you, you talk about Imran Khan. Go ahead. Well, he's come out. He called out the U.S. Uh, yep. State Department as running a foreign conspiracy to overturn the Pakistani government. Yep. And what, what, what happened was there was a vote of no confidence um, that was declared uh, to force him out, to force his ouster. And this was overturned by the lower house of parliament. Um, Imran Khan has uh, circulated the evidence that the, um, this was all coordinated by this fellow Donald Yu, um, who works for the for uh, Victoria Newland, and he's part of the U.S. State Department uh, complex. Who threatened the uh, Pakistani ambassador, saying that if you do not, if he is not ousted, uh, Khan, um, immediately there will be that vast repercussions. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, th this was this was supposed to go through. There was a members of Khan's own party left his party to vote against him um, as part of this coalition opposition party of, of puppets who basically the, the reason why was Khan was if you look at what he did right before Russia uh, began their military operation in Ukraine, he went to Moscow, met with Putin, solidified that Pakistan Russian relationship. He also uh, solidified increasingly the Pakistan China relationship um, on several occasions with the China Pakistan Economic Corridor, which now, as of was it April 1st, has uh, turned into uh, this Tungsi Declaration. It's a beautiful declaration for Afghanistan reconstruction, but not just Afghanistan, the entire region, which involves Russia, Pakistan, India, Iran, um, China, and, uh, and Turkmenistan, as well as a few others, all with great projects for building vast historic oil pipelines, natural gas, rail lines, all the way through uh, the Kaf Herat uh, Railway, which will be built. Um, extensions from the from Pakistan and the that corridor into Afghanistan, which then could go broader uh, across various parts of the Middle East into into Iran, where you have rail being built currently, along with also rail to from Iran to Iraq, um, which easily could intersect with that's the Shlamsha Basra railway now under construction, which could easily be uh, connected to the already existing but defunct. It's been shut down, but it exists. Uh, Fifteen hundred kilometer railway that goes all the way across Iraq and into Syria um, as part of this broader Belt and Road Initiative in the Middle East to offer um, an uplifting of standards of living, uh, an equalization of the, or not the equalization, that's not the right word, but a putting out of the fires and a real reconstruction program to give hope to that region once more. So this is now something that Pakistan is, is on board with. Um, they're, so they're not able to get these regime changes as they used to. Even Ethiopia, which was supposed to, I, I mentioned it before, they were supposed to be already overturned in a civil war um, initiated by the United States using proxies like the the uh, uh, TPLF, the Tigray People's Liberation Army, um, which has failed completely. And now they're, they're threatening the U.S. Um, Congress and Senate have their puppets who are introducing bills and legislation to try to completely sanction Ethiopia, which frankly, at this stage in the game, is not such a bad thing considering that now Russia, China, and others are more than willing to fill that gap as we saw the, the sanctions against Russia blow up in America's face. The same thing would happen with Ethiopia. I think that, uh, you know, that's there too. But you also have the war with Yemen. I mean, the Saudis are no longer acting like their well-behaved proxy or, you know, agency, which they have done for decades, really since the British put the, the House of Saud into power in the 18, uh, 1930s. The Saudis have largely been very well-behaved little corrupt stooges doing whatever their masters tell them until now they can see where the wind is blowing. They can see that oil does not play a role in the ultimate great game of depopulation under a, a global great reset and a great, you know, green new deal. So they're ultimately recognizing finally that they're disposable. And hence, you know, there's been a much greater openness to having diplomatic dialogue with Syria, with um, other enemies, even Iran and and uh, Saudi diplom diplomats have opened up a lot of lines of communication and cooperation. Uh, UAE, Qatar, uh, various other Gulf states are on board. Even Saudi Arabia was floating the idea as maybe a bit of a threat, but I think maybe even very real of uh, settling oil payments from this soon in yuan instead of U.S. dollars. And now you have a peace agreement for two months. It's just been arranged for all of Ramadan between Yemen and Saudi Arabia, 
So you finally have a durable chance for a two-month block of peace. God knows what can come out of that. But this whole zone around the Red Sea that connects Ethiopia, right, on the Horn of Africa to the Arab world, um, it's it's easily a place. I mean, this is going to be a, a dense zone of economic activity and prosperity if you can create some no war there for a little bit. Um, that's going to blossom. And again, it's just you could almost throw a rock over that uh, that little gulf and connect and between uh, the Arab world and, and Africa and easily, I mean, you could build without too much ado. China is already doing things of this sort, either a tunnel or an extensive uh, bridge connecting those worlds and have that as another extension of the BRI. So that, that's something which these geopoliticians around Victoria Newland and, and others are looking at and they're freaking out about completely. Pakistan, you know, India has just said they're not going to bend to the pressure of of rejecting Russian cheap discounted oil. They said they're they're more than willing to pay in in rubles. And you know, the various representatives from India have said, like, you know, you're asking us to die. We're we're a country of 300 million poor people, and you're saying to buy overly charged U.S. controlled oil instead of using our neighbor, our ally, Russia. Um, no, you're out of your mind. And even many European countries are not even do, doing this, even though they're telling us to do it. Uh, Germany is not, not there. They know that they're not going to be able to like, just cut themselves off of, of Russian oil. It supplies 40 or was it 52% of Russia's natural gas needs is from Russia. Yeah. 50% of Germany's gas needs. Yes. Well, don't worry. Uncle Schmuck is, is on the way, Matt. He's, he's sending ships. Uh, I'm hearing uh, one little ship per week is going to make port somewhere off the coast of uh, Normandy and unload their their petroleum products and their hydrocarbons, and that should be enough to uh, to make up for the 42% lack of energy as the Europeans face starvation, as they face economic collapse. BASF, the the German chemical manufacturing giant is on the verge of lay, laying off 42,000 employees, man. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. No, it, it's a complete disaster. It's such a shit show. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, like, they, they, they do in a sense, right? Like, in on one sense, they're really committed to this design of getting rid of industrial civilization, forcing the world onto a behavioral modification where we find ourselves a, a reliant upon low-quality shit sources of energy like windmills and solar panels and new types of ways of thinking about economy that involve a green, decarbonized uh, type of market. So in the one sense, they're really committed to doing that. Um but on the other hand, the world has totally changed from that ivory tower design, you know, of a depopulated world order that they were they were working on for many decades. You have now all of a sudden half the world or more even don't want to commit that mass suicide and have instead put online, as we talked about last week with Sergei Glazyev being brought back into a dominant position as a Russian uh, economic geostrate geostrategist, um, a completely viable alternative financial, economic, security, cultural architecture, which is not based upon rejecting your religion, re rejecting your traditions, your heritage like ours is. That's the whole basis of, you know, the woke uh, critical race theory. Uh, screw, you know, don't respect anybody over 30 or dead white European males. They, they're, they're irrelevant or racist because they were white. 
Um, that whole thing that, that's really contaminated our society is based upon a design to atomize us, cut us off of the, the deeper historical continuity that we are actually a part of. And when we tap into that via our family units that transcend individual lifetimes, our nations, right, that transcend individual lifetimes that we could tap our identities into, or even more broadly, our religious traditions, which can yeah. go back thousands of years. That accesses part of the human persona that ties us into the divine and something that transcends the individual limitations of our birth and death. They want us to like shape our identities. That's the, the way these these social engineers who think of us as little like gas particles in a in a in a machine, right? Yeah. They just want to control the stochastic behavior of the the atomized little moving bobbing about you know gas particles of hedonism. They, they, they can only get us to act that way in a predictable fashion like beasts that will adapt to a herd to the degree that we don't have access to our full, you know, inner potential, which we can only get when we see that our our purpose isn't something bigger than ourselves because we're all going to die. That's the animals are not self-aware of their eventual mortality. They can't shape willfully their identities in accordance with that mortality, that fact of that. Where human beings, you, you're starting to de- you're, you're starting to describe the American college student. <laughs> I am. I am doing that, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to show you some uh, some uh, some quick video of some animals who cannot um, foreshadow or comprehend their future mortality, and uh, this is what happens when you replace um, math, sciences, engineering. And you replace it with what many are calling it global homo. Here it is. This is this is what American taxpayer this is what education is doing, folks. What are they saying? F you fascists. Oh yeah, fuck these fascists. There it is. They're all dressed in black. In Texas no less. North Texas. How does that get by in Texas? I don't know. So look at them. Yeah, what a little zombie hive. That's... Oh, and who's this guy? Who's, who's he, he's a senator. He's a, he, he's a senator from Texas, and he wants to go there and speak, and this is, what, this is the response. And, and they're directing their rage towards him. him. He's the oh, yeah. oh, yeah. No, no, he's not a fascist at all. He just, like, he doesn't want to have... No, they're, okay, they're disrupting him. He's, yeah, they are okay. disrupting him. Correct. And let you. me show you something. This is hilarious. Let me, uh... Yeah, power to the people. Yeah. Look at this. Psychopaths, no education. Yeah. That guy's got a lot of, like, patience to stick it out there. Look at this. You know, I, I got to take this when I was, uh, man, that goes on, eh? That guy just stuck it out there for, like, a full hour. I want to show you when he's confronting this, uh, this, this, fa- oh, here we go, here we go, this is it, ready? Brace your ear eardrums. Here you go. Oh no. Oh this is, no. I am a sir! I'm a man! That's what happens when nobody realizes that what the mind is anymore and all that they that. think they can do <laughs> is that. Oh no, she's actually doing that. Okay, stop, stop. Kill me. <laughs> there you go, no, buddy. I got I gotten a, a a full smack of that when uh 
Occupy Wall Street was happening and there's branches all over the world. And I, oh, yeah, at the very beginning, uh, myself and a few colleagues, we were like, okay, let's let's see what this is. And, and you know, we, we were uh, trying to see if this is a process we could influence positively by, you know, organizing lectures with the people who would all <laughs> here in the Montreal uh, area. Sure. And uh, for the first week or two, it was moving ahead pretty well. We had like some constructive people who were you know, working with us and we were like organizing little workshops of like, what is banking? What is the new world order? And it was good. You know, it was, it was, it was positive. We were giving speeches. And then all of a sudden, like you had black block. Oh boy. Like, like hyper hardcore anarchists just show up and dominate and take the thing over. And it turned it into um, a, a little vicious tyranny where there was no, no more debate or discussion or deliberation around differences. If you didn't agree with them, it was kind of like ISIS, right? If you don't agree with us, you're less than human and, and worthy of destruction. Right. Um, and very quickly, myself and my associates, um, just because we were bringing up like, okay, well, you don't like, you don't like Wall Street? Well, how about uh, let's endorse, let's say a resolution for adopting Glass-Steagall, like to break up the Wall Street banks. If you don't like Wall Street, you're, you're here to occupy it, so-called, right? So let's actually do something constructive that will work to break up the Wall Street banks. And a lot of people liked it, but the black blocks, they were just like, no, anarchy, tear down everything or nothing. It's, it's anarchy, but uh, but the tear down everything and then replace it with communism. Where I love the the oxymoronic, you know, axioms they go by. I'm an I'm a communist anarchist. They say that. I'm like, are oh, you man. a freaking retard? How are you for anarchy and for communism at the same time? It's Orwellian doublethink at its finest. Yeah, and then you got the anarcho-capitalist version too. It's like uh, there's so many different variants of this thing, but ultimately it's mystical, right? Because they just they hate what exists. Yeah. They want to destroy what exists. And in some cases, there's some legitimacy to their their desire to destroy evil. And I, I mean, there's a lot of evil in in the current system. But then their idea of what do you replace it with is literally just this mystical. Well, then we're gonna have utopia and everything. We're we're just gonna like self-organize around these little like mini commune communes of like, you know, love and, 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 and whatever. Um, and then progress is going to happen or whatever your idea of progress is. Some people's idea of progress is then like, just, you know, uh, going back to nature and having no more technology. Some people say, Oh, like you got the, some variants of libertarianism who are like, okay, then we're going to have a blossoming of creative discoveries and new inventions and Tesla. Everyone's going to ride a Tesla. And, you know, and then we'll be, <laughs> you got that variant too. Like, I think you got Catherine Austin Fitz, who tends to sort of promote that one. You know, what? think local, get rid of governments, get rid of everything, and then every all of a sudden we're gonna have this mystical global. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. That's all bearing species that will just happen, right? Yeah, 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 yeah sure, uh, exactly. That, 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 you <laughs> know, I laugh at people, people who make statements like statements like that have an incredibly ignorant grasp of human nature, human history, and and economies and how that functions and works. No, it's you like give, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like give give me one example where that's ever worked. Just just totally like shutting off all nation states, all planning, all just and and where have has that ever produced some benefit of building infrastructure, water systems, no, uh, electricity grids? Like where where did that work? I know where you where it's where things have been built with planning and with you know national uh, dirigism. I know many examples of that having occurred over the centuries. And then I could I could show you examples where applying like grafting on a libertarian, you know, privatize everything doctrine onto the system results in right. yeah, like private, you know, PPPs and, and essentially atrophy. 
like, you know, you're just trying to extract money out of the infrastructure that has been built by taxpayer money at some point earlier. And then that will, you know, seem to give you money for a period, maybe a few decades, but you, you, you're no longer investing in maintaining or improving it. And then you got the crisis like we have now where 80% of our infrastructure is beyond uh, anything resembling safety standards and needing $5 trillion just to like get it up to something that is not deadly. Yeah, but you know um, what? We're discovering new genders every week, Matthew. That's what's more important. That is that is a high priority. That is very important. To boldly go where no gender has gone before, my friend. Oh, shit. I forgot to mention. Yeah. So the for the Occupy Wall Street thing, just to oh, finish yes, that yes, story yes. up, uh, they ended up voting to uh, ban us from, from speaking and being anywhere within like a 20... Um, meter radius of it and uh what yeah we had like a political table with literature and everything and uh and i was with the larouche organization at the time i was volunteering with and uh all of a sudden <laughs> we have a giant mob i didn't even we weren't even invited to the debate where we not even a debate but the vote where everyone was induced to vote for uh, kicking us out and shutting us down we weren't invited we were just told all of a sudden we saw like you know 30 people dressed in black all of a sudden surround us and tell us that this happened, we have to go. When we resisted a little bit and called for like a discussion, they punched one of us, threw the table over, uh, pulled another member, like got really violent. And this is their like democratic people's power type of uh, oh, yeah. mentality. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, we stayed the hell away from that Soros funded operation at that point forward. Um, Unbelievable. But Unbelievable. Yeah, uh, you can see how quickly the, the if you lose a sense again, it goes back to what I was saying, right? If if you if you atomize society and you get people to think about their hedonistic um, flesh and senses as what is primary to them, like you know my gender and my my uh, sexual preference and my my racial whatever affiliation, that is what defines me as me. You lose your humanity. It's like those are important things. Your gender and all of those things are and your race that that's important. But what's more important, first and foremost, is your humanity. There's something universal about all human beings, which is which is first and foremost, which is tied to, amongst other things, the fact that you are aware of your mortality and you're aware of things that came before you existed and you can make the world better and leave something better behind for your kids, grandkids, and others uh, and make the world a slightly better place and, and pursue wisdom while you're alive, right? Pursue... Uh, self-perfect and try to reduce your ignorance while you're alive and put your your works your life into creating as many good works as possible that's something all human beings uh you know at all times in a million years in the future a million well maybe there were i don't know if there are humans a million years in the past but regardless of what time you're looking at that is still valid um and all of these these critical race theory victims have all been induced to think that no what makes them them is just like I am a non-binary cisgender, blah, blah, blah. I am whatever this material thing is and thus oppressed because, you know, every little quality is a minority and everything that is a minority is repressed, oppressed by a majority, I'm told. So I have to feel like a victim striving for vengeance and, and righting the wrongs of, of you know, my, my minority group. And you just totally screw over yourself, your ability to access, you know, your your universal characteristics which is what is necessary if you're going to be a sovereign individual which is necessary if you're going to have a sovereign country you have to have sovereign individuals who resolve their their freedom duty paradox right and and align increasingly their desires their their freedom with a sense of duty and law which yeah. is part of living in a universal of law right 
you, you have to want to do to do good. You can't just do good because you're told to do good or else, you know, you're going to go to jail. Right. That might be good for some people to keep them in controls. But for the most part, you want people to want to do good, to realize that it's better than than causing your soul to suffer by doing bad. That's why you have a conscience. So you want to satisfy that. And that's what the Constitution and Declaration of Independence was all about, was, you know, getting people to have the challenge at every generation to both abide by the general welfare in the Constitution, as well as honor and and protect the inalienable rights of the individual in the Declaration as two sides of the same thing, you know, to veer towards. So to the degree that we can't do that, we can't really refute the idea that we're overpopulated. We can't really refute the idea that we need a, a Leviathan uh, lording above us all to it, it, keep order the way Henry Kissinger or Klaus Schwab uh, <laughs> corralled and herded to maintain peace and order. We can't refute that. We have to, you know, you have to think differently. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Maddie, great broadcast as always. And folks, again, this is Matt and I working on maybe three to four hours of sleep. And, uh, you know, check us out again. Uh, again, go <laughs> over to Matthew's website, risingtidefoundation.net. Get this, get us uh, his books. His books are absolutely phenomenal and integral into understanding the geopolitical, geostrategic, geoeconomic landscape as it is today. And folks, we'll be back on uh, on YouTube April twelfth. Matt, they're they're finally dropping all charges against us, and uh, we'll be out of YouTube jail officially April twelfth. I so, can't believe they're letting you back into YouTube land. That's I know. What are they thinking? I don't know. You know, it's only well when we go back, we'll be as as restored virgins with no check marks, strikes, uh, nothing against us whatsoever, Matt. As if it wow, would never have given you your cherry back. That's uh, yes, that's rare. Eh? Your moral we're, cherry. We're restored <laughs> virgins yet again. And then you know it's only going to take C- me, me and CJ about a week or two before we're back in the penalty box. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Thank you so much, buddy. And folks, again, go to uh, Matthew's website. The links will all be in the description box. And with that being said, we're over and out. I'm going to bed. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>